heaven high. Heaven high. Heaven high. Heaven high. Heaven high. Or as Laura would pronounce it, uh. Oh, okay. No, hashtag uh. <laughs> That's how she would pronounce it. You did it too, you're just as guilty. I, I was led astray by her. <laughs> Good excuse. Yes. Episode 196, rumdoings.com, podcast at rumdoings.com. At rumdoings. I don't know why you bother. Nobody will say anything. When, let's, when last did anyone tweet at rumdoings? 1874. The year after Rock Paper Shotgun started. Yes. Remember, because the, the year you started Rock Paper Shotgun and you started um, broadcasting via a special copper cone... All your uh, all your podcasts, uh, you stopped, and then we did it. So that makes sense. Yeah, eleven days ago. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we didn't record one last week, did we, Nicholas? And why is that? Because you failed me. You you always <gasps> said that Friday <gasps> was a good day to record. You'd been saying for the last twelve centuries, and then suddenly you decided because be. you because you jump into a swimming pool for about five minutes on a Friday that contaminates your whole day, and because of the chlorine, you can no longer speak. Why don't you tell the truth, Nick? That's the truth. For once in your pitiful life. But that is a truth. The truth is that Nick texted me on Tuesday night saying, record tomorrow at nine o'clock. And uh, after I'd gone to bed and I said in the morning, ten past nine. And Nick said, at a concert with Judy. Yes. (laughs) Like it was my fault. It was because (laughs) I hadn't realised that the concert was in the morning. Oh, I apologise then. Yeah. And she and and her class sang Doa Deer. I was sat here with my rum doings hat on, my rum doings uh, big inflatable balloon, my rum doings pointy finger, foam finger. Your I was rum all ready to go. Your rum doings exclusive flashlight. <laughs> flash. Fleshlight. Hmm. I had uh, my rum doings hat with the two beer cans on each side and the straws <laughs> coming down on. Excellent. I hope it had a little beanie rotating uh, propeller on the top of as course. well. Of course. Excellent. Well, you've seen all our merchandise. Uh, our merch is, is flying out of the rum doing store. By its own little beanie propellers. Do you remember when we used to be an interesting and eclectic podcast, and now every second sentence is our attempt to sell some piece of tat? Don't forget, if you would like to help support rum doings, you can always go to audible.com forward slash rum doings, where you can collect no free books. Yes. Do you remember the... Um, it is amazing what's actually happened to Boing Boing. We once interviewed Cory Doctor on this podcast. And, Do you remember? Yeah. And the lovely Alice Taylor. Yes, and now every, I would say every second post, uh, but it's probably more like every third post is actually content, and every second post is shilling some piece of tat. It's it's very odd, isn't it? And it's always disguised as, oh man, I absolutely, I don't know how I ever lived without this colander before. <laughs> yes, and and that sounds like you're doing some sort of no, uh, exaggeration. It was a colander. Have they actually done a colander? I haven't seen the. There was an actual colander. It, it was be made of some. It was a silicon fibrous product. It was a special silicon colander. Yes. I don't believe in silicon-based colander life forms. Do you remember when silicon used to basically be sand or microchips, and then suddenly it started being rubbery stuff? It's very versatile. But do you remember, how can, how can wobbly, rubbery sort of uh, cookie um, moulds be made out of sand? How does that work? Well, if glass can be made out of sand, which I frankly don't believe, because you can see through glass, so it's obviously yeah. a lie, then anything can. Sand is clearly the egg of the material world. <laughs> it truly is. Mm. 
So, what's the topic? The topic today is, isn't it about time that ISIS started following some good-fashioned British values? Good-fashioned. Good-fashioned British values. Well, can't discuss that. Yeah, exactly. So, how's married life treating you? How's married life treating you? Same, same. And you? (laughs) Exactly the same as yours. (laughs) Identical. In every nanosecond. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. We've both got a wife, we've both got a baby. What's the difference? The family met Moss Duane last week. Oh, yes. How did that go? Um, It went... um, it went quite well, but um, what's what's quite amusing is um, Moss Duane didn't sleep properly the other night and was up uh-huh. nine times. So I said nine times. So I said, so I said, oh dear, is little Toby playing up? And they knew what I meant. Little Toby's become a cultural reference. He's a meme. Yeah, that's excellent. Toby well, is now a meme. He doesn't obey his own meme. Toby, uh, to- he woke up twice last night, which is very unusual. He's either doing once or months. Yeah, but when you say that, what that actually means is he's just leading you into a sense of smug self, uh, self-security self and then he will subvert that with a click of his baby fingers and be up 20 times. Well, of course. Next week when he decides he wants to grow some more. I mean, does. absolutely every baby cure and remedy and trick and technique and tip is all superstition based on uh, whatever the person did the last uh, the, at the end of that two week phase. Yeah, of course. I mean, the ba- baby tips might as well be issued by the Met Office. <laughs> it's, it's like the you know the superstitious pigeon. It's very much that. Yes. yes. Oh, we sp- we span around and touched the ground three times, and he slept through. Of course, he did. Yeah. So that's what you should do. <laughs> and and also, I love the fact that it, 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 babies are the proof of the failure of inductive reasoning. People who think because something happened twice. After following some specific action, that's how you can get it to happen again. No, no, it's not going to. That's not going to work. Maybe I doing the opposite. declaring to Laura that what tonight's once and only technique for making him fall asleep quickly was. Yes. One night it was listening to a piece of music by a Japanese band called Lullatone, who make albums, very good music for designed for helping babies get to sleep, and that worked on one occasion. Mm. So that was good. Have I'm you glad. tried? Have you tried the Daddy Radio? I haven't tried the daddy radio. No. It used to work with Judith. I just don't. I don't like to think what it could be doing to his mind. <laughs> you could listen to certain, you know, certain of the earlier episodes when we were funny. I often think about uh, Mr. Robert Morgan and his Twitter account, Morgan Kids, which is very yeah. good. Yes, in which he tweets the hilarious uh, remarks made by his two daughters, A and V, and he's been doing that for years. For many years. And I think A has outgrown it, hasn't she? She's a bit too uh, boring now. Yeah, she's a dullard. To say she's, funny things. She's a dullard, yeah. But v is, v is still pumping out the co- the funnies. Yes, exactly. Um, but what he can do, once uh, they reach uh, an age, yes. is just press delete. He can just delete the account. Yes. And then if someone has decided to keep an archive or copy of it or whatever, that's one thing. But they won't find it. Mm-hmm. So it can just be gone. Poof, and then he can get away with the hideous lies he tells his children about not tweeting everything they say well he but the thing is he is obsessed about archiving things so he's already gone to a number of different twitter archive download services and has put them on his seven different media for archiving everything and so on so why would he do that because he said you know they've said to him why are you writing down what I'm saying? You're not going to tell anyone, are you? And then he tells them he won't. And then but he tweets that. He tweets that conversation. To be fair, he says that uh, one of parents' duties is to tell lies to their children. 
I was going to ask you about that. Now, you are, I'm, I'm never happy to tell lies. You're very willing to tell lies. Do, do, you, how, do you lie to Judy? Not usually, no. I mean, for example, as you well know, she, we've told her that uh, Father Christmas is a fun game that we play. Uh, See, that's a mean lie to tell her. It's not a mean lie. She's perfectly happy with it. She enjoys no, it's mean because Father Christmas... What happens when she meet, finally meets Father Christmas and finds out that he is real? <laughs> yeah, She's going to be furious with you. I mean, I'm trying to think. There are times where... I'll tell you a lie I told the other day. Uh, a, <laughs> a, she, we, we bought this ridiculous inflatable uh, mermaid's paddling pool with a, with a, with a slide and an inflatable shell and seaweed and all so sorts of things. Just before we started recording, Nick was berating us for having a baby walker. <laughs> yeah. Because it was too middle class. Yeah, but... <laughs> But Victoria did email me and say, oh, OMG, buy immediately. And when she does that, I do that. So, <laughs> so we took her to my parents and Jessica was there and she went in the pond. In, in the, uh, pool. In the pond. Yeah. And, yeah. and Judy was in it. And a tiny little bug flew into the pond and drowned. And, oh. and Judith saw this and was very distressed by it. So I fished it out and she was getting very upset and asked. She said, oh, no, the... It, the, what is it? Oh no, the little the little ladybird's going to die, and I'm also going to die. And uh, <laughs> so I took the ladybird out and put it on the table and uh, and uh, the outside table while she was on the pond. And I said, "Oh look, it's 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 dried out and it's flown away." It hadn't dried <gasps> out and flown away. Did you try CPR? It hadn't dried out and flown away, but she immediately stopped crying and was happy with the result. And I said, "Well done for rescuing it." So that was uh, a lie. Would you have told that lie? I don't know. I don't it, know. It immediately I mean, stopped her crying, and yeah, she I'm was be happy. Interested to find out whether I will or not. Yeah, when Toby gets upset about that, you know that you have within you a fairly harmless sentence that you can utter, which will stop her distress immediately. And yes, you no, and I, you're I not going to do that. Well, I just can't guess. Because I, I I don't know. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I imagine I probably will. And I and I didn't easier. lie to her and say that no animal dies and everybody lives forever and the world is not cruel. All I said is this one particular bug, luckily, appears to have been resuscitated. So I think it's a very limited scope lie. I'm not telling her that all bugs can be resuscitated. You know, there are times where I've rescued something from a bath or whatever and it appears to uh, dry itself and flap about. So... Yeah, it, it was a plausible situation. I don't believe that it caused any long-term damage with her, in her epistemological powers. What um, if the ladybird's mummy was in earshot and heard that? Yes, I, that would be like uh, hacking Maddie's phone. <laughs> it would be. Yes. Yeah, it would be. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I've watched the uh, the Labour Party leader hustings the other day. Andrew Neil. I was had just about to ask you about Ms. Harmon. Had the well, Ms. Harmon is not standing, is she? Oh, no, no, no. I was just, but yes, her uh, her her demand, her instructing her party, you must vote in favour of conservative laws. To be fair, um, the the reason she's done that is survey after survey after election has shown that the white working class absolutely love these reforms. It seems that your your fellow English people are quite nasty. Yes. And, and without agreeing to some semblance of this, the Labour Party will never get back into power because nobody wants that sort of policy anymore. I think it's becoming very clear that we were lied to by people like Reverend Stewart, who said, oh, it's a naturally left-wing society. It just doesn't know how to get us back to No, it isn't. It's a 
pretty damn conservative, nasty, vindictive society. So let's stop pretending and let's start adapting. And that's one thing, to be fair, that that uh, Tony Blair's knew. He knew that if you want to get elected and you want to get some things done progressively, which which he which he did, um, then you have to have a huge pile of nasty things around it, and you're, you have to have a nasty Trojan horse to have your few things. Well, so, see, if my, 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 my opinion is, if the Labour Party needs to become the Conservative Party in order to get into power, then we don't need the Labour Party. No, no, that's wrong. The Labour Party has to become 70% of the Conservative Party to come into power. Uh, so your choice is... Can you is... move your phone away from your recording, please? No. Mm. Your choice is 100% Conservative Party or 70% Conservative Party. You have no other choice. I disagree, and I think you'll, when Corbyn wins, um, the left wing will rise again. Hmm. And when he wins, the you're right, and the party will have a massive landslide. Yes, that's right. It will have a massive landslide into a gully. <laughs> and be washed away into the North Sea. But at least it could be a party I would want to vote for. So you prefer purity to electability? Yes, I do. Well, sadly, that's not how democracy works. You're going to have to create some sort of dictatorship to make okay. that happen. All right. Talking about... Um, now, Jeremy Corbyn, we need to, I need to know, uh, mm. anti-Semite or not? He... Well, he is an Israel exceptionalist. I mean, he constantly goes on about them and he has constantly fated people who have expressly wanted to kill every Jew and gay in the world without any ambiguity and has called them his friends. So, friends. Well, he has, he has taken that back somewhat. Well, he's tried to pretend, but I've, I've seen him actually give speeches at these, uh, at these rallies uh, where he... He shows massive solidarity, not some kind of, oh, I have to talk with some people I don't necessarily agree. Yeah, but when you say don't necessarily agree with, you mean pushing off towers because they're gay. That's what you mean by not necessarily disagreeing with. So stop being such a mimsy. Um, so I, I, he is a, a, a deeply unpleasant, troubling individual. Uh, but what's more interesting, I, I, I could put up with that if he were... A, a, and I don't know, a, a, a sort of malleable or, or interesting or benign figure. But did you see him being interviewed on Channel 4 News? I d can't watch Channel 4 News. I've become too angry. No. Yes. But he was interviewed and he got he got really, really tetchy. That was a really? thing. Really irascible and tetchy uh, with uh, Guru Murthy and was very, very kind of shouting at him and calling him a tabloid and this and that just for pointing out that he had called these murderers his friends and but you think channel 4 news would have been like high-fiving him for that well you would have thought no but to be honest they're not all john snow john snow has gone mad he has yeah he has actually just but gone there is mad. also christian guru murphy he's not exactly great either is he what can you yes but i think they, they, they will question these people because remember christian guru murphy uh is part of a demographic who is also hated by um uh corbyn's friends you remember right. there he's he's a dangerous nasty little idolater who must be vanquished <laughs> vanquished yes <laughs> from from the latin venker i'm sure that's not how it was pronounced in latin hmm. don't think they well, rolled their r's well they did and also they didn't no. um you know when when you know when you say cicero or caesar it's not it was cicero or kaiser you don't know that. You do know that by you pronunciation don't. guides at the time and rhymes. So, yeah, you do, actually. Sorry. No. 
<laughs> Sorry, you do. Anyway, um, shall we talk about uh, your government's uh, hand-rubbing, moustache-twirling uh, delight in their intent to destroy the British Broadcasting Corporation? <sighs> I, did, I, had, I was talking with, um, with Adam Huffman uh, just after they got elected, and I said, they're going to begin destroying the BEB immediately, aren't they? And he said, no, no, it'll be another... Um, license renewal cycle before they do it they don't have enough time and subsequently i've said really would you like to review that opinion he says their alacrity has surprised him how <laughs> quickly i said they made certain promises to rupert murdoch for his support and uh, for getting them through the election and this is payback time so and they they do pay back so what's where is the surprise and you know whittingdale has appointed his panel of experts about the green paper um and you you know who the panel of experts are shall we go through them go on okay first expert is dawn airy and she has worked for every uh pretty much she every channel five didn't she yeah she worked for every major uk broadcaster except the bbc mm-hmm. and she runs advertising for yahoo and I think she said in 2009, she said that the BBC should reduce its core free output to one or two channels. Okay. Uh, okay, so that's, that's, that's the first disinterested, completely open-minded party. <laughs> right, yep. Yeah. Then there's Dame Collett Bow, who was the chair of, of Ofcom and wanted to regulate the BBC last year. And she said, there's a lot to be said about uh, contestable funding on competition grants. She was obsessed about competition and how the BBC was destroying competition. Mm-hmm. So there's another disinterested party. Um, then there's Andrew Fisher. He's the executive chairman of Shazam, the smartphone app. Okay. So he's going to be very knowledgeable about the British Broadcasting Corporation. Well, Shazam and- worked very closely with uh, advertisers. So yes, yes. <laughs> yes. perfect. Indeed. And um, then there's then there's uh, Ashley Highfield, who left the BBC in a humph in uh, 2008, overseeing his digital operations. He now runs Johnson Press, and he's a very outspoken critic of the BBC now and is bitter about them. So just the right sort of person to be yeah, on exactly. your disinterested, exactly. <laughs> disinterested panel. Um, uh, and then there's Darren Henley, who, uh, who ran Classic FM for 15 years. Oh, good grief. And he says he's very... <laughs> He's very, he says he's very concerned by Radio 3's access to that amount of public money. Yeah. Rolling yeah. in money is Radio 3. They're yes. going on about how much extra money they have. Yes. Sh- yeah. shall, shall we go on there? There's Alex Mahon, who is a, he used to be a chief executive of Shine Group, an independent TV company. It started by, um, hmm, what was her name? Elizabeth Murdoch. Great uh, friends with her. Oh, I seem to remember her. Yeah. So he's another one with just the right connections. For. Oh, good grief. Yes. And then this there's... This will not do. Then there's Lopa Patel, who, who he describes himself as a digital entrepreneur. Okay. Think Tank Diversity UK. And um, then there's Stuart Purvis, who, uh, who, who, was in the, who was in ITN and, is <laughs> now, and retired in 2003. So he's just a bit senile. So there you go. There's your panel. Woo-hoo! I wonder what they're going to to recommend, John. Oh. Can we imagine? And John Whittingdale um, previously basically said that the BBC well, yes. should 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 have advertising and subscriptions. He's long been anti-BBC. Now, 
Ronald Weiss once said, without a song or a dance, what are we? And I say, without its binding cultural institutions, what is a nation? It seems strange to me that the BBC should want to, um, the, that the government should want to destroy the binding uh, cultural institutions of the nation, because what's left is not something that will necessarily cohere. It, well, let's very... have a look at let's have a look at the uh, the anti competitive nature of the BBC. The BBC started in the fifties. No, well, the British Broadcasting well, the... Company started in the twenties. Twenties, yeah. Sorry, TV. I mean, yes. Okay, well, let's go. So we go all the way back to the beginning. So they had the radio, then they had the TV channels, and nowadays there are no other TV channels nor radio stations. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yes, that's correct. There's only been more TV channels and more radio stations consistently over time. How is that anti-competitive? You know when the BBC began its regular television programming? Uh, no, I don't. 1932. No way. Yeah. Goodness gracious me. Indeed. Isn't that funny? That's extraordinary. Um, yeah. And now there are 850 channels and um, a, bi- a billion radio stations. Yeah, but there are new, no news websites except BBC News. I mean, that's, that's one true. Thing that that is to, the only one. <laughs> they want to attack that particularly. They're very desperate to close all those down. And do you know what I say? I say, I don't care. I don't care. All the, all, all the competitors are all crying. Well, I don't really mind because, you know, why does everything have to be done within the market or within the capitalist yes. milieu? Can't yes. we have one little park where we can go and play in or does everything have to be private property? Everything. I want to have crazy, one park. The crazy thing is that the BBC News website is, is so successful despite the massive, massive cuts. I need to say swinging and I have to kill yes. myself. Um, cuts that the, the news department has faced at the BBC, the, the, the hideous cutbacks, the uh, delivering quality first oh, yes. cutbacks. But the, the government, uh, what was quite funny is as, as, as soon as they came in, the first thing they did was say, you can't put up the licence fee. And apparently um, uh, uh, Cameron was seen almost literally rubbing his hands together saying, oh, it's great, the BBC will, will, will get some of, the, some of the austerity now, which of course had nothing to do with, because it's not as that, that, that that's going to pay back the debt or anything. That's just... That was yes, just nasty. The BBC must pay for austerity by uh, providing licence fees for the over-75s, and I believe um, a National Health Service. The BBC is now required to run the National yes. Health Service. <laughs> yes, uh, and, and the Defence Department. That's right, it's true. I mean, look, people attack the licence fee for being ridiculous, anachronist, and anachronistic, uh, and but that's why I quite like it, because it's like some weird... Uh, creature that survived in an ecosystem that right. you you would never invent today that is by all logic ridiculous but it works and it should just be left well alone there is no there is nothing that would happen if the status quo were just left alone they should just, they should obviously close the um the uh, i play a loophole and then just leave well alone if they can't then what they should do is i think the finnish model where effectively there is a kind of means tested uh cultural small cultural tax which works out about the same which is just over a tenner a month um and uh, and and that should be put in place but this what they what they're really attacking is the universality and the non-commerciality of it they want it to be a subscription services available for people who pay the subscriptions and have advertising and sponsorship and that's uh, yeah, I think BBC's universality and non-commerciality are the sine qua non. If you don't have that, 
don't bother yeah. having it. Just get rid of it completely, to be honest. Uh, we do not need to create a poorer version of PBS here. No, indeed. We don't need that. And we don't need yet another station that Mr. Murdoch can sell subscriptions for either. That's not what's special. And yes, I will agree. This this weird, large, weird, frankly, slightly broken organization is not what we would make if we were making it again. And that's why I want to keep it. It's like this weird weirdness of having Manhattan. Today, would they imagine that they had central the, the, the plot of Central Park still available weirdly? Would they put Central Park there? Of course they wouldn't. Yeah. There would be more apartments and houses. Was it therefore wrong, uh, and shops, was it therefore wrong that Central Park was created and is maintained? No, of course it's not. It, there, these are, there are certain lucky historical accidents which we should conserve and treasure. And that's what really pisses me off about the Conservative Party. I'd like them to start conserving and being conservative. Yes. They're, they're so unconservative in every respect. Now they're going on about the, the green belt. Now they're going to build on that. It's just, if if they were actually conservative, truly conservative, then at least there would be some saving graces about them. And there would be a kind of a balance because then you'd you'd have some years of a radical party and then some years of bedding in and conservatism. But they're not conservative. They're a, a slash and burn party. Mm-hmm. We have talked uh, about this before. You are repeating yourself on the podcast for one. I don't care. There are most people weren't born when we began this. That's true. <laughs> it makes me very cross the the way that these cultural institutions are attacked. And what was very interesting, I think Stuart Lee wrote an article about it. And it says, what's very interesting about when people attack BBC, nobody can decide what their crimes are. It's like a show trial that the BBC needs to have, but nobody can agree what the crimes are. Some people say their crime is being too popular. Other people say their crime is not being popular enough. And, and it seems to be that often it's, you know, some people say you, you, you're not necessary today because you don't produce programming that interests people. Other people say you're producing so much programming that interests too people populous. that the poor, the poor commercial stations get sad about it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm annoyed by the, your, your country folk, John. It's time to get rid of them. I think it's time to go back to the good old classic British BBC programming, like um, the Late Late Breakfast Show. <laughs> that should be back on the TV. Saturday Swap Shop. No Lebanon shouldn't be murdering more innocent people on TV. Do you do you think Swap Shop could be returned in a twenty uh, first century? Uh, I never context? saw. I never saw Swap Shop. But, it but the seems... notion of kids kids swapping their toys and putting on a pitch for it sounds interesting. It does. I think. Yeah. I think it'd be. We could do something. You know, some online component. Uh, I don't think we need it though. Isn't it interesting though that it's the whole format's dead? That it's uh, it's. It's cooking now. Cooking. You have cooking on Saturday morning television. My I assume whole... that. Yeah, I assume that the kiddies are are playing your your video games or watching your DVDs of the, of the morning. Well, if you there's obviously children's BBC channel, and I think that's where it's meant to be taken care of. But yes, it turns yeah. out that Dick and Dom in the bungalow was the last dying gasp of, and the greatest example of it of all time. So that was good too. I believe there is no. Um, children's programming in the mainstream uh populist channels anymore that's right so uh, although no itv still has children's itv programming in the mornings because i think it has to by its on weekend mornings yeah presumably. Okay. but yes they've got the citv channel as well now and then all the various different spin-offs and there's lots something called pop I believe, and a few other kids' channels. But, uh, yeah, what's, it's really interesting. I remember, and this would be before you uh, lived in this fair isle, 
mm-hmm. um, when children's children's programming on the BBC was the regular continuity announcer. Um, but the screen, instead of just having a spinning globe as was at the time, as it was at the time, uh, became this uh, a, a like a teletext page with dancing arcade video game sprites around the court, around the edges, and it just said coming up on children's BBC today, and it was just the regular guy just announcing the programs in order, hmm. and you could see them on the list, and that was it before the broom cupboard even existed. Excellent. Um, so it's in my lifetime; it, it came into existence and died, which is inter- interesting. I do remember summer holidays being infused with the sound. I was wake up and my brothers already have gone downstairs. The sound of the summer holiday programming on the television. I remember there was an art beat and various other things would, would come wafting up the stairs. A, a bit like, you know, when you wake up and you, you smell coffee brewing today. It's such a, it was such <laughs> a, a, a holidays uh, thing. Yes. Now, I, and it's interesting. I mean, Judith has already had enough of broadcast programming. She will. She goes to the um, uh, iPlayer app on the television and chooses the uh, CBBS program she wishes to watch. Well, see, Toby, because Toby's not quite up to that. Daddy has to choose which uh, program. So we we watch three episodes of Dino Pause in a row uh, on Sunday morning. <laughs> But the problem is that that doesn't, leave, that doesn't leave room for serendipity. You know, where you would no, I know. Tur- you would turn on the television you'd, and you say, oh, and then it would be something weird and you'd be caught by it. Well, this morning, uh, I, that does worry offered, me. This morning, serendipity offered me cloud babies followed by Postman Pat. So, you know. Is this CGI Postman Pat? No, it's the 2004 um, Claymation remake. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's very dull. But then it always was. Pat was never a, g- a good franchise, in my opinion. I don't know why, but when I watched the opening title sequence and the van trotting over, I just had extremely happy, fond memories of this frighteningly dull programme from my childhood. I don't know why it appealed to me so much. It was no Pigeon Street. It was no Pigeon Street. But the uh, it's interesting, some of the programmes are genuinely good. So um, I love Dino Paws. I think it's very funny. Um, mm-hmm. Charlie and Lola, obviously, is the best one of all. And what's interesting, the one that Judy absolutely loves at the moment is the the new remake with Michael Palin of The Clangers. I saw, I just saw the first half of an episode this morning before... Uh, Judy uh, absolutely uh, adores Laura it. took over. Hey Dougie and Clangers are her current favourite. Ah. But The Clangers was actually remade with uh, some proper stop-motion uh, animation. They it's couldn't exquisite. Quite... It's incredible. Yeah. The detail of the, the neck movements as they whistle is is extraordinary. Yeah, uh, and it was clever to you to get Palin to do the um, mm-hmm. narration, I guess. Yeah, it seems quite amiable. Yeah. But yeah, so the, so this yeah, uh, we've I just got a uh, Kindle Fire stick during uh, this week. During 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 summer Christmas. During the I got it during their ridiculous and absolutely hilariously bad Prime sale. Hmm, it's very good. <laughs> it was like there's more offers than Black Friday. Um. Maybe true, but the offers Racist. were all on things like uh, kettle filters and and um, disposable cloths, and it was like it was the. Do you saddest not want kettle filters? Sale. It was the saddest sale you ever saw, and the only high price item they had a few um, Lenovo laptops which went for good prices, and the Fire Stick was half price. So I figured, oh, for twenty pounds, I may as well see if it's any good, and it is. It's really good. What does it do? It does pretty much everything that the great wheezing PC next to my TV was doing. So it does um, all of the Prime Instant stuff. 
and all the the movies and the videos. But then it also has Netflix um, and uh, iPlayer, all the TV players, and a thing called Plex, which allows me to stream from my PC upstairs. How do you control it? Um, you can control it either with the uh, remote control that comes with it, or the remote, much better remote control app you can download to your phone. I see. And then you get to like your phone becomes the remote for it, and it's actually very good and sophisticated. Okay, so you'd recommend everybody buy that from the Rum Doing store. <laughs> Make sure to click on the link from. Yes, do click on the link, please. Yeah, um, it's uh, the only problem is it's a bit crashy. Well, that's no good. Yeah, I've had it crash tw- on. I've had two times where it's crashed on me. And well, that isn't isn't yeah. that a deal breaker? It's going to be if it's persistent. I need to find out whether the mine is faulty, whether it's a, a, a software issue. I need to figure out what's going on. Upgrade the firmware. But it's much better than the giant wheezing PC. The only thing yeah. is web browsing. It doesn't have web browsing. Well, at least I haven't figured out how yet. Oh, I'm sure it will. Surely, surely, surely. You would imagine so. But Plex, Plex is a great piece of software. That's really good for streaming. Hmm. So I can watch all my telly off my computer upstairs, downstairs. What would you do about um, the deficit? <laughs> what would I do about it? Yeah, what would you do? You're you're now George Osborne. What are you going to do? And I said, you've got to cut that deficit. I would uh, start campaigning for Worldwide Jubilee. Well, well, first thing I would do is I'd, I'd probably... I mean, that trident must go, surely. I mean, oh, there's, yes, no obviously. Reason, there's no argument for that. There's a few billion uh, easily saved. And he also... He, why do they massively put up the uh, defence budget? That's not going to help. They put the claiming they've put the defence budget up in line with what's expected from NATO, NATO. or something. Yeah, yeah, meh, who cares? Uh, but what... And if you did have to cut some part of the welfare budget, what would you cut? Um, I know what I would cut. Is it the legs off the poorest people? No, I would... Uh, I'm not one for means testing. However, I would... I'd take a look at these ruddy pensioners and the wealthy ones can maybe get a little bit less money from from daddy government clearly but obviously you know why that's not going to happen no because they are the only people in the united kingdom who vote you can be bothered to vote yeah but that's obviously where you would do it because if you look at the pie chart the old folk are the big uh, greedy succubi so you just I'd, love, them. I'd love to have seen an extremely uh, comprehensive polling of the people turning up to the anti-austerity protests to see oh how dear. many of them how many of them voted mostly wouldn't have i would have imagined i'd hope i it, it seems like i don't want it to be true but probably yeah i mean that's what the the reason that the conservatives won was because those who were polled who said they would vote conservative by and large, yes. came out and voted. Those who were polled and said they would vote for somebody else, by and large, did not vote for anybody. Couldn't be asked to come. So it's not even those who were polled and said they wouldn't vote for anyone that was the problem. It was those who were polled and said they would probably vote Labour didn't come out, didn't bother voting at all. So whereas those who were polled who said they would vote Conservative, by and large, they came out in the day. So it seems that Tories get on their bikes and get things done and, and Labour supporters are well, bloody yeah. layabouts who just want to lie in. Stu uh, did, did some interesting research. He realised that uh, Blair, who's often credited with having rejuvenated people's interest in politics, did quite the opposite. Um, during Kinnock's reign, of uh, the number of people voting, who could, the number of people who could vote who do went up by 3 million. During Blair's reign, it went down by 10 million. 
went from eight million didn't vote in eight million didn't vote in 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 uh, 97 and and 18 million didn't vote in 2003 yeah i think that's just because people were content Um, i mean if you remember there was no real uh, the iraq war only really began around 2003 there was no real there was people just a bit okay yeah things are ticking over and remember there was massive growth in the economy and uh i mean several of those years were actually running a uh we're actually ru- running a surplus uh, money was going into the nhs remember how terrible the nhs was when the tories last left it and yes to be fair uh, the labor did pour a large amount of money in it and it was a far better service when they left office than when they came in well some of that was unfortunately because of PFI schemes, which means in long term they were doing horrendous damage. Yes. With short term cash doing long term extreme damage to the NHS. So it was a, that was a bit faked, I would say. Well, it still happened. Yeah, but it's, it happened in a cruel and stupid way. But yeah, I, I no, think I I, you, know, know, I, you know, I'm very. I was up until the big uh, Iraq War meltdown. I was very pro pro Blair. No, but I think and I was I pro think Blair was, after the Iraq War meltdown. No, but I think I think people might have over overstated the private finance scheme thing. I mean, I was obviously opposed to it. But I think the damage that they predicated was predicated on there being no growth. I think they hope that the the country, if the, the country's economic growth would mean that the relative debt would be fairly small and would be quite easy to pay down by the end, even though it looked big in, in uh, sort of 97, 98 terms. I think that was the bet. So, okay, talking of which, you have to help me out here. Yes. Uh, our mortgage, our two years fixed term mortgage is coming up to uh, to end in July. Okay. In, sorry, in, in August. Yes. Well, um, what, but what percentage did you get? I can't remember the percentage. Probably about 5% or 4% it or something. It was slightly lower. I wonder if I can call it. No, I can't because the plumbing nationwide apps, uh, website so so naughty. Um, yeah, so the, we're coming up to picking a new one now. We can either go uh, two-year fixed term and have something like £150 a month drop in our mortgage payments mm-hmm. because the, the, our house has increased in value significantly. How ridiculous. Over the last two years, I know, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> or we can go gamble and go for a four, three, four or five-year um, at a higher rate, but gambling that in two years time interest rates won't have rocketed up what should we do what's the choice what's the right thing to do interest rate in two or three years time interest rates won't have rocketed up they'll be up by a percentage point or so see i think i think it's going to be one to one and a quarter percent that's my Correct. guess so i think we should go two year get, well Kearney, re, reap the benefits of a lower yeah kearney has basically said that well yeah it's gonna he hasn't said anything specific he said that at the end of this year the chances are they'll go up yeah, they'll go up by about I've a heard, quarter or half a percent. Yeah, I've heard in the past they they've said in the past if we put interest rates up, it will not be more than a quarter percent. So correct, but then they can start every half year putting another little quarter on. Yes, they will. So I so predict that uh, for the next uh, three or four halves, there's going to go up by a quarter every half year, which means that it'll probably go up by one to one and a half percent. Yeah, so, so I say go. one to one and a said. quarter. So yeah, yeah, so I so I think we should go for the two year and reap reap the short term benefits of an extra hundred and fifty quid a month, especially while law is not working. Why not? What's the yeah. argument against that? Well, the argument against is if in two years' time the situation were to be, you know, we wouldn't be able to get anything as good as the following three years we would have got if we got five year right now. Hmm. 
I think the gamble's worth it. I think it's worth two years. This is very interesting conversation. I'm on a I, I, I'm on a tracker mortgage because I um, when my when my one uh, when my mortgage uh, the, you know the first few years ran out, you, I was supposed to make a choice and I and I couldn't be bothered. So it, <laughs> so it just defaulted to a tracker so, <laughs> just at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So there we are. And they've never, they haven't bothered me since. I don't want to be bothered about such things. It's trivial and we certainly shouldn't be talking about them on a, an interesting podcast. No one, this is interesting to note. I, I imagine our listeners will be surprised to hear, our listeners, sorry, will be surprised to hear this. Mm-hmm. At this point, no one in our audience mm-hmm. has given us the million pounds. That's true. I mean, I imagine most people would have thought that we'd received a couple of such uh, generous yeah. requests, but no. And I say generous, I mean, these days. <laughs> imagine if you had, imagine if you were Marcus Notch Pearson and you had two billion pounds, two billion dollars. Uh-huh. Yes. You could drop a million down the drain and you wouldn't go, oh, no. you go, oh, silly me. Yes. No. And you'd raise your eyebrows a bit and then yeah. continue walking. Yeah. He could the- just give us a million pounds. Well, he's your friend. I wish he were. You have interviewed him. I have inter- I interviewed him back when he was uh, not so famous, just when it was all beginning. How much money did he have then? He had just made his first ten million, I believe. Do you know what you should have said to him? What? As Jake should have said, "I'll tell you what, Notch. If you ever make a billion, can you give me a million? And just as a kind of little joke, yeah. and he probably wouldn't have believed he would make a million, and he would have probably said yes. I think so. It would have been a bit rude. No, what you could have said is, I'll tell you what, Notch, I'm doing very well with my rock, paper, shotguns. First person to reach a billion gives okay, the other yeah, a million. First person, yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. Should have done that. Should have. Can you imagine? You idiot. <laughs> you missed your great opportunity. I can imagine. I would pay the mortgage off. That's what I would do. Gone. How exciting. Never need to think about that again. No. Well, you never actually do need to think about it. I do, because it takes £900 of my money every month. That's a good reason to think about it. Why do you need to think about that? You told me money's not real. (laughs) Unfortunately, even though I'm correct in identifying that it's a silly made-up concept, other people keep demanding it. All that happens is a computer program changes its register Uh every month and just changes the ones and zeros. Nothing actually changes in your life. But no matter how loudly you protest that when you're at PC World, they still complain when you walk out with a box under your arm. Yeah, no, boxes are real. We're talking about money. Money isn't real. Boxes are real. But they want money in exchange for the box, which doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why? Well, what good is giving them some numbers? I should just swap them for a different box. You're not even giving them numbers. You're, you're doing a kind of magic spell where one computer program speaks to another computer program. Yeah. That's it. And then you get to take the box away. <laughs> what it's ridiculous silly. site have you built? I'm sorry, I wasn't concentrating, if I'm honest. Well, clearly you weren't, because that that doesn't seem likely, does it? I was playing a game on my mobile phone at the same time. Do you like mobile phones? No, yes. I do, I love mobile phones. I'd die without it now. I'd actually seize up and drop down dead. (laughs) The other day I left home without it. Oh, Nick, I'm so sorry, you didn't say. And then I felt felt all lost and alone. Detached. I was very upset. It's a horrible detaching feeling. When we started this podcast, we didn't have that feeling. 
I think I did. I got my first mobile phone in 1999 because I was working at... No, no, we had no mobile phones. But the, the whole smartphone-y you have to oh, be I looking at things so, all the yes. time. It was not there. It wasn't there. Listen to episode one. We're living in a very different world. That's true because I need my phone because I need to be able to see if anyone's tweeting at me and I need to check my text and I need to be able to access Wikipedia at any instantaneous moment in my life. Exactly. Yes. If I don't have access to Wikipedia at any point, then... Then you're basically a nematode. Exactly. I need to be able to listen to my music. I need to be able to listen to my iPlayer and my Audible. You need to be able to I listen to, to the daddy radio. And it, well, no. I need to be able to read my books. Yeah. I just read Steve Martin's Born Standing Up on my telephone Steve, last week. Steve Martin is a tragic figure who isn't as funny as he should be, I thought. Well, that's why you should read Born Standing Up. It's a, it's a fascinating exploration of, his, of the, his life in the 60s and 70s and how it built up to the point where he was the biggest and most famous stand-up comedian in the world, which caused him to want to stop being that. Why? He, he got everything he needed. Because he, exactly, he says, he, he discusses exactly this and realising that um, he, he wanted fame and he got it and then he was... So his, 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 his passion... But that's a cliched old story. I, I want to hear people who got fame and absolutely loved it. Well, no, no. He says, "I'll see if I can find the right bit." Because he and it was about... everything they wanted. I, I don't want to hear about another, another rich, famous person whinging about being rich and famous. That's the story as old as the hills. I want to hear a rich person says, "Oh my God, being rich and famous is so brilliant. It's everything you'd want." That's what I want to hear. I'm trying. I've got to try to find the right bit. How do you, how do you skim? You just right. flip the page until your finger <laughs> touches the woody pulp that you need. Uh, can you can you search? Kindle. Oh, Kindle. Well, you thought you were reading a book. It's a Kindle app. Not a robot. A robot. I can't see how to search. You can't. He talks about having just the right amount of fame. He had... First, he didn't have enough fame. Then he had too much fame. And now he has just the right amount of fame. Well, I would hope so. But didn't he become terminally unfunny? Well, no, he made terminally terrible movies. Uh, but yeah. he never stopped being funny. So when uh, in the I forget the publication date that um, he was told by his doctor to take a, a year off making bad films, really, um, and just try and get some perspective back. And um, you said try and get. Oh, I'm sorry. Try to get some perspective back. And during the year, uh, he was told not to do any work, and he says this book is the result of not doing any work for that year. Mm. And it's called Pure Drivel, and it's a collection of very funny short stories and poems and ideas and things. Um, uh, yeah, he, he's he's always been funny, but he's just, for some reason, made really bad films. And you look at how great, how great some of his L.A. Story is one of my favourite movies, even and because it's sentimental. Um, hmm. So many funny moments in that film. Uh, I love The Man With Two Brains. That's another brilliant movie. He's made many he, good films. Yeah, but he always left me feeling a little chilled. I don't think he's a, an engaging personality. Well, no, he's, he's, he describes that he's, he's one of the, again, the cliche, but he's the person who is shy and getting to be on stage gives him a way out of that. Do you think that there's a Bill Cosby size scandal waiting to come out about him? No, I don't. No? No, I don't think so. I mean, he talks quite openly about how much sex he had during the 70s and, and, and how it was all meaningless. And, and, and it just, but I assume he, he didn't need to, to drug the women in order to get them to do that. It doesn't appear so, no. Okay. Fair enough. It's kind of weird the the way the, these massive headlines. Oh my goodness, Bill Cosby may have done these things, and then when it turns up he had, everyone's like, "Oh, I guess he has then." 
Where's the yeah. massive outrage and surprise and cancelled gigs now? Yeah, well, nobody really cares. Remember, he did a very nice sitcom that people loved, so that that overwrites all this. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, of course. Why are you even worrying about him? He did that nice sitcom. He did, and he was all kind of kooky, and he was America's dad. So that's the end of that. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. And the other thing about that, about the Cosby Show. Da, 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 da. Come on, keep going. Da, 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 da. You... I hope you're doing the dance. Yes, well, and that and the way he used to pucker his lips together in that sort of slightly kooky, cutesy way, which now looks just sinister. Well, the important thing about the Cosby Show is it gave us Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet, but yeah, but it also gave us Keisha Knightpullim. <laughs> this is true. Whatever has happened to Malcolm Jamal Warner? <laughs> Are you reading the IMDb page? No, I'm not. I just remember the most ridiculous names um, <laughs> on that. On that, uh, thing. Malcolm Jamal Warner is in American Crime Story. Is he? And American Horror Story. And Felicia Rashad. <laughs> I want. I I want to believe you're remembering these names, but I, I am. I genuinely am. Felicia Rashad. It was the most popular um, program in South Africa. So we. Oh, I see. Remember, it gave, it gave people hope. Felicia Richard. Oh yes, of course you said. Um, mm. Is still regularly appear. Oh, of course she was in Psych. She played um, Gus's mum in Psych, which was a constant reference to Cosby Show. And oh, of course I she Psych. and she um, defended Bill Cosby vehemently earlier in the year. I wonder whether she still would now. Yes, I do wonder. Uh, but Lisa Bonet went on to, of course, be in the greatest of all sitcoms. She went on to be in A Different World. Oh God, I remember that. It I loved it. I loved it. Did you, though? I really, really did. Here's a different world from where you come from. No, but I let's be like fair, it. I was nine. So, oh, yeah. you know, balancing, balancing things yeah. out. I was so in love with, with Denise Huxtable. Were you? I was. What does she do these days? Um, she's uh, married to um, Lenny Kravitz. And oh, has an incredibly yes. talented actress daughter. Oh, yes, of course. Lisa Bonet. Oh, she was in Life on the American Life on Mars. Oh, yes, of course she was. She was the the detect- she was Maya Daniels in the American Life on Mars, and very attractive she was too. Did you know something about Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz? Well, I just don't like the fact that she's married to Lenny Kravitz because he is a, a a skanky man. They both had one Jewish parent, did they? Yeah, that makes them their marriage a whole Jew. Yes. So you could so the KKK can doubly hate them. That's true. Lisa Bonet had an African American father who was an opera singer. Yes, and a Jewish mother who was. That means she. Well, that means she is. She's a Jew. She's a bloody Jew. (laughs) They're everywhere. They're controlling Hollywood. Now, now, now you're going back to your nine-year-old self and going. I love that um, tweet you sent yesterday, the thing you retweeted yesterday, of the absolute classic example of that. I would, the very last thing I would <laughs> want someone to think of me as anti-Jewish, but they do control the government and the media and everything. And kill all, and kill children. And kill all the babies. Yeah, I said, I've noticed that no <laughs> missing children are ever Jewish. <laughs> But, you know, God forbid anybody would call me 
I did like that. That was from the Scottish resistance. You know, they're the ones who were saying that the uh, that they are, Scotland actually voted yes, but um, the, somebody's hiding all the yes votes in black helicopters or whatever. <laughs> Here are the names of Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bernays' children. Yeah. Um, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, I hate the name Zoe, but... I are. love the name Zoe, and she's a great actress. Uh, Lola uh, Iolani Momoa. Uh-huh. And that, that's 2007. And then born in 2008, Nakoa Wolf, that's hyphenated, uh-huh. Mana Kaupa Kaupo, uh-huh. Namakiha Momoa. Oh, for goodness sake. That's her name. Yeah, and their dad's name's Lenny and Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> her parents are called Alan and Arlene. But that doesn't influence Nakoa Wolfman Nakakopoa Namakahia Momoa. No, of course not. Idiots. <laughs> She's going to have a good time at school, isn't she? Yes. Oh, I, I, you know, you've heard the Jessica song and the Judy song. Yes. And, that, and the... oh, hang on. I'm just going to listen to the Toby song you promised to write. Uh, finish listening to that. We There's the Moss Wayne song. Of course there is. There is. No bloody yeah. Toby song, there is there. Well, Judy and I were composing one, but it didn't come to much. We'll, we'll, re- we'll revisit so, it. So angry about that. You know the you want to hear the Moss Wayne song? Not really. Okay. Go on. Moss, Moss, Moss Wayne. Whoever named him's quite insane. Moss, <laughs> Moss, Moss Wayne. His name is Moss Wayne. It's very good. It is very good. I should how's have been an advertising with, jingle writer. How's that gone down with Mummy and Daddy? They haven't really commented every time it's sung (laughs) especially when jessica sings it and she shouts out insane (laughs) splendid work zoe kravitz was in mad max that's what she was in recently and was brilliant did you like mad Max? oh it was really fun the thing about mad max though is that um marco mode was worried it was quite sexist No, he was. He said. He said the uh, the the you know the slave wives or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. he was very troubled. He was troubled by them. <laughs> He's such a bloody idiot. Were you troubled by them? What? Did you think that they were sexist? Since it was a film about the opposite of that, no. Funnily enough, I didn't. <laughs> but the slaves' wives. weren't you worried about them? Didn't you think that that meant that the film was the film was sexist because there there were slave wives? <laughs> You used to think that if something if something <laughs> bad is portrayed, that means that the film the, the people who made the film and the film are somehow troubled. He's, that I film caused some troubling. That film, the sorrow and the pity, is really anti-Semitic. Yes. <laughs> well, he hated the Wolf of Wall Street as well because he didn't like the, the. He thought that the primary character was unlikable. He said, "Yeah, that's the point. He's a really awful man." It's, it's an odd for a. Uh, then again, he is. A, I, I learned something about Komodo. He's a vegetarian. Ugh. Shall we say goodbye to the listener? I'm too, I can't on that. That's that's awful. Yeah. Bye bye, listener. Bye bye.